back to Coffee and Cannabis. It's the show where I interview professionals, researchers, and thought leaders in the cannabis space to help bring you deeper insight into who these individuals are and how they're shaping the cannabis industry. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Justin Rothingschofer. Justin is a former professional performance coach in the NHL, and he's a founder of Own It, where he helps athletes and professionals maximize their performance through sleep, biodata, and lifestyle optimization. In the episode, we talk all about what quality sleep looks like and how that's going to affect your energy levels and performance. We talk about the use of painkillers in professional sports and how there's an increasing popularity among athletes for cannabis and psychedelic use. And lastly, we also talk entrepreneurship, mentorship, paving your own path, and what an unconventional career path might look like. Thanks for joining me, Justin, um, in this Coffee and Cannabis, the first episode where I'm actually drinking coffee. I love it, and the and the first and the first episode that I'm actually having cannabis. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I normally I, I normally don't drink coffee. I quit for a little bit. Uh, I find that it's kind of an archaic form of getting energy. Um, it may it gives me the jitters. It makes me a little bit anxious. I, I more prefer green tea. Are, are you a big coffee guy? So. I can tell you the number of coffees I've drank on two hands. <laughs> How come? It, it, it same thing. It just it, it yeah. makes me jittery. It uh, gives me uh, uh, headaches. And and to be honest with you, I just have such a natural energy about me that if I continue mm-hmm. to just keep going, it it, uh, it it doesn't allow me to come down at all. So right. um, my body doesn't process it very well. Right, and what do you what do you do to to energize yourself? Do you find it's it's the right meal, supplements, right exercise? To be honest with you, it's it's not one thing. It's just the way in which mm-hmm. I've been able to tap into what my body needs and find out right. who I am, what I am. Um, right. My uh, I swear by uh, the number one thing, which is uh, which is sleep, and mm. um, not just any type of sleep, but quality sleep, and. Right. That's something that I have needed since I was a uh, little boy. My parents tell me stories all the time where <laughs> I would just go, 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 go. I was the Energizer Bunny, and then when I was done, I was done, and I could fall asleep anywhere, anytime, for however yeah. long I wanted. And um, they were telling me this story all the time. It was Christmas, and I was laying um, uh, on the ground and underneath the Christmas tree, and they picked me up to to go home. It was like ten o'clock at night, and th- they literally leaned me up against the wall, and um, I didn't move. I, I laid there like a board. So um, can literally fall asleep, stay asleep anywhere, and that is something that I need to continue to be energized. <laughs> That's good, and you're lucky because not a lot of people can get get that quick sleep. Um, from what you found, I mean, you did mention quality over quantity. What's what's a big what's a way that some people can get more quality sleep and, and tap into that? So a lot of it comes back to um, understanding your circadian rhythm and mm-hmm. uh, cortisol uh, melatonin cycle. And uh, a lot of people think that all sleep is created equal. That if I get eight hours of sleep a night, I'm good. If I get seven and a half right. hours, I'm good. But in actuality, we all have peak times in which we get the amount of sleep that we need. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and what I mean by that is this, if you look at anybody in the way they sleep, we all have 90 minute cycles. And through those 90 minute cycles, we go through four phases, the lights phase, uh, slow waves phase, Mm -hmm. 
REM phase and then a slight wake phase. Mm. And the vast majority of people spend about 65 to 70% in phases one and four and completely miss out on the optimal levels two and three, which are slow wave and REM sleep, mm-hmm. which is actually where all the mentally restorative, physically restorative processes happen. The things like your glymphatic system are activated, uh, your brain toxicity is released, your um, memory formation is uh, activated. That's where uh, your ability to um, really use cortisol when you wake up is is optimized. Mm-hmm. Your, just ability to wake up feeling refreshed starts to be regulated. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to figure out when yours are, which uh, we can do uh, simply by tracking sleep cycles, tracking when we start to get tired, um, we're able to find our optimal sleep windows. And if they fall during the day in these lulls, we can start to re-energize ourselves through brainwave manipulation mm-hmm. going back down into uh theta delta um but just taking ourselves out of that present states we're in through mm-hmm. meditation and right. so understanding what cycle you're in understanding uh how cortisol and melatonin uh integrate together within your life and mm-hmm. and truly buying into it allows you to tap into to, in areas that uh otherwise have been long forgotten hmm and so you, you recommend to people then having, I've heard having a wind down routine is good and staying away from blue light, electronics, um, making sure that you, you do go to bed at the same time every night. What other things would you recommend to people to to get that, that better sleep? That's, that's such a great point um, because uh, night routines are key and our body operates off of uh, routine. And um, I have a simple kind of guideline and it's a little three two one rule that I always uh, run by and so um, if you take a look at what time you need to wake up and say you ideally want to wake up at 6 uh, 6 a.m. we count back seven and a half hours of sleep and I know that's contrary to what I just said (laughs) but we sleep in 90 minute cycles and ideally we want to get 35 full cycles a week Mm. that is what equals into optimal performance or optimal cognitive uh, ability for the average person. Now, are some people a little bit above, a little bit below? Sure. Sure. But on average, we want 35 cycles. Thus, if we divide it by seven, that's five cycles a night, five times 90 is seven and a half hours. So we want to figure out first off our timing. And so we start to schedule our sleep. So if we need to wake up at 6 a.m., that means we count back seven and a half hours. We want to be sleeping by 1030. So that's first off how we figure out what our time, uh, what our sleep time is. Mm-hmm. Now someone will say, okay, what if I can't get to bed till 11 tonight? No problem. Then what we need to do is we need to push our wake up time to either 6.30 or 5 a.m. And we only go through four full right. cycles because we don't want to be waking up in the middle of a sleep cycle because mm-hmm. that's when we wake up groggy. Right. So in doing that, once we've identified our bedtime, now we do this three to one rule where three hours before bed, we don't have a major meal. Okay, nothing after mm. three hours before bed. Two hours before bed, we eliminate um, any type of work or mental stimulating items. And then one hour before bed, we eliminate all blue light exposure. But what we want to do when the sun goes down is that's when we want to throw those blue light blockers on orange, yellow lens yeah. glasses. Yeah. 
one hour before bed, that is when we initiate our wind down period, mm -hmm. which is all parasympathetic activating activities, things such as journaling, mm -hmm. hot showers, um, magnesium sulfate baths, um, uh, stress routines. Nice. There's so many things in which we can do that really activate that system that help us get that deep, higher quality of sleep. Mm -hmm. Because what will happen is as we've activated that parasympathetic nervous system, it will enable us to get into those deeper stages of sleep quicker earlier on. And thus, in that first phase, that's when our most HGH is released, which is mm. that body repairing hormone. So we get so much quality sleep out of those slow wave sleep and REM sleep cycles that we wanna make sure we're optimized as we're about and to embark mm. on uh, on any night's sleep. Wow. Yeah, that, that sleep makes such an incredible difference. And like you said, it's the quality. What other things do you do you tell people that they can incorporate um, to get energy other than sleep? Yeah, so this is, this is I think, one of my favorite is in the morning, um, a lot of people's typical routines is the alarm goes off, they hit the snooze button, the alarm goes off Guilty. again. Yeah. They they may <laughs> hit the snooze button. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they may hit the snooze button again. Yeah. And then they peel themselves off the pillow. Mm. The first thing they do is go get a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. And then they try to just wipe the sleep out of their eyes and get going. And then they sit down into their uh, workspace, whatever it is that they're doing. Or, or they browse go into their, their phone in their bed. Exactly, <laughs> and and go into some type of dungeon. Well, yeah. the first thing that we can do is when our alarm goes off is we get up out of bed and again, we need to activate that cortisol cycle. Mm. So how do we do that? We do that with three things. We do that with movement, we do that with grounding, and we do that with sunlight. Mm -hmm. And that should be the first routine with all of us to activate again the cortisol cortisol gets this bad rap all the time as being this fat producing hormone where in actuality cortisol is necessary in order for us to do everyday activities just as mm -hmm. getting up and walking around right um having conversations like this mm. uh processing thoughts through the mind it, it's necessary in order to just function cortisol and melatonin are directly um conflicting hormones so when mm -hmm. cortisol is high melatonin right. has to be low and vice versa so if we want to activate energy levels and suppress fatigue and suppress that tired feeling we need to do things that are going to activate cortisol and really wake us up wow and you're i'm blown away because you're you're so incredibly knowledgeable about all of this and a lot of this is new is news to me and you know as we're, we're both kinesiology graduates, um, so we, we share a lot of that, that kind of same interest towards human performance. I'd, I'd love to know what made you so interested in human performance? What made you want to go into how the human body works and, and kind of how did that lead into to where you are now? It's a great question. It's a loaded question. How long do we got? <laughs> We've got as much time as you have. <laughs> so for me, it started when I was... Um, probably 12 years old um, when I I knew I wanted to be in the National Hockey League and um, I, I started to look at everybody around me mm -hmm. and I was like you know what we're all uber talented mm. we're all working out the same amount we're all on the ice the same amount 
Um, I might be shooting pucks in my backyard for two, three hours, but what is going to allow me to be more consistent and the best version of me Mm. day in and day out? And I asked that question to um, my dad and I said, what's going to allow me to be better than the guy doing the same amount of work? And he goes, it's called being a 24 hour athlete. And I took that to heart because I started to be—I started to think about it. And so, at 13 years old, I started to measure my heart rate. I had a pulse oximeter that I wore on my finger every night. I tracked brain waves as I was sleeping to see what was going on. I tracked everything that went into my body, from supplement to food to uh, amount of exercise I was doing. You name it, I was really dialed in and tapped into that. I read nice. everything that I could on the subject because I knew. That what allow, uh, the only difference between me and somebody who didn't quite make it mm-hmm. to that NCAA or uh, that higher level was that I was simply more consistent. Right. There's nothing that changes, and whether we're talking about business, whether we're talking about sports, whether we're talking mm-hmm. about whatever, the only difference between somebody who does it and somebody who doesn't is the level of consistency at which you can comp- at which you can perform. Right. Talent gets you noticed, consistency gets you paid. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I took to heart as a very young age and was fascinated by how you could manipulate the body into performing at high levels. Mm-hmm. And um, the more I learned, uh, it came down to sleep and what you put into your body. And uh, even more so, like 10x what workout you're doing, what exercise you're doing, what um, uh, movement you're doing, all these things, it was so minimal compared to when you slept well, when you ate well, and when you focused on uh, the energy and thoughts in which you were producing. And so for you, taking that clear passion for human performance and maximizing your own performance, how did you get into strength and conditioning and eventually working for the NHL? What did that look like? Yeah, so um, uh, obviously I came from Canada, uh, played junior in Canada, came down to the U.S. on a scholarship, um, got my degree, uh, signed uh, PTO, uh, finished up my little pro career that I had, a little cup of coffee, and uh, went to the University of Louisville and got my master's degree in performance science. And as I was doing that, I was uh, also working with the men's women's basketball program and dived headfirst into um, the sleep, mindfulness, and uh, recovery uh, data and information, just like I had before, and started to see some great results. Um, was really utilizing data, technology, before it was cool, looking at HRV, looking at heart rate, looking at um, sleep quality, looking at quantitative analog- analytics that could be quantified back to a hard metric that equaled performance. and. Um, uh, I started to consult with teams. My first team I consulted with was the Columbus Blue Jackets, and then it was the Washington Capitals. Uh, and then uh, I got my first full-time gig uh, running the uh, uh, hockey program for Miami of Ohio. And um, over four, uh, three years, uh, we put just shy of uh, 14 guys to the NHL. And um, uh, then I got my first opportunity with the Anaheim Ducks and uh, was... 
uh, got the opportunity to run an NHL program through uh, all the data, all the analytics, and really transform the way in which uh, you saw the the human experience. Right. And what 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 did you like about being that strength and conditioning coach and being in the NHL? To be honest, it was the uh, it, w- it was being able to teach, educate, and guide, mm-hmm. um, uh, allowing each player to bring out exactly what they had been trying to bring out that consistent performance Mm -hmm. and putting the roadmap together for them because you you see each and every single one of these guys try to play at this elite level day Mm -hmm. in and day out Mm -hmm. and you see the struggle that goes on sometimes as to why you feel good one night why you don't feel Mm -hmm. good the other nights um why you're uh, struggling with certain things one day but feeling really great about things the next mm. and it comes down to being able to facilitate a system and a set of behaviors that mean something to you and nobody else and that goes right. down to the DNA the epigenetics the uh, the wearable information all of these things that we track and look at with each each player to make sure that we tap into those two areas that I spoke about that are that are key and matter most mm-hmm. which are um, what you put into your body and sleep. Right. And part of performing day in and day out, we talked about before the amount of toughness that you need to have in the NHL. And then it's not just an asset, it's necessary. And some athletes having to take um, painkillers and opioids in order not just to treat pain, but to prevent it from happening. What did you see while you were working there that kind of alarmed you? I think just the dependency that that players would fall upon uh, Mm -hmm. sometimes, and that was not due to uh, any fault of their own, but just Mm -hmm. simply uh, the culture and tradition of of the sport. It's not just the NHL either. It's it's every professional sport from Mm -hmm. Major League Baseball to uh, the NFL to the NHL to NBA uh, across the board. And it's it's been something that has been talked about for um, a long time. But, but it's always been done behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And you see the, uh, the addiction that happens. You hear, we did a documentary with uh, TSN and, mm-hmm. and ESPN called Problem with Pain. And you go and take a look at the, the problems that so many of these players faced and, and the side effects that these painkillers, opioids, uh, Tordal shots have, have created for mm-hmm. them down the road that they never understood or fully understood the consequences that were coming with it or just right. the sheer addiction that opiates have. Right. I mean, the opiate system within our body is highly, highly addictive. Mm-hmm. If you were to go and take a look, and this is going off tangent a little bit here, but if you were to go and take a look and ask Mark Zuckerberg or ask the inventor of Instagram or Facebook or um, mm-hmm. uh, any of these other social media platforms what they are looking for, it's the hit of dopamine that goes into our opiate system right. that creates this addictive nature of being addicted to our phones. And it goes right back to that is actually what we're putting directly into mm. our body in order to eliminate pain. Now think mm. about how highly addictive our phone is. Ask somebody to put their phone down for, an, forget a day, an hour, and not right. look at it, not think about it, not check it. It's extremely difficult. Now, talk about that as, a, as just a sheer drug that you're putting in to alleviate pain in your body. 
And now, once you've utilized that to eliminate that pain, now tell them they can't have it anymore. How hard that is to get off of. And that is what we're willing and continually putting into players' bodies from sleeping pills to opiates to tortol in order to solve these things so that they can continue to try and perform at the levels in which we expect. Mm -hmm. And it's physiological depends. It's addiction, like you said. And what a a big misconception that some people have is that, you know, when you stop, you can just quit cold turkey. But the reality is that the opioid system doesn't allow that. The opioid system will start to make you suffer from withdrawals that make just regular living intolerable. And you're finding that these players that were taking these drugs for short term use are ended up taking them for long term. And these drugs are being prescribed by physicians and team doctors maybe with without their best interests at heart and maybe just with the best with the team's interests at heart um as of right now are you aware of the the scheduling of cannabis in the nhl is it still uh banned for use it is yeah it's still not something so if we're talking about the prescription of these it goes of, of opiates and um and everything it's not necessarily that it's not that it's in the better interest of the the team but Mm -hmm. it's just what's always been done right and nobody's asking the questions as to what else can we utilize well Mm. cannabis and cbd have just been blackballed and illegaled for forever that's just Mm. always been the tradition they've never been legal so the the issue is is we're just not having the conversation about whether it would be something that could help alleviate issues in which are there and it would not educating the players on what it's all about if you if you were to look at i mean um the nba and uh, the nfl have now uh dropped marijuana as well as cbd off of uh their drug testing policy they don't test for that anymore so not that it's legalized in those sports and or thought of as an effective treatment however the fact that they don't test for it means that I guess you can utilize it. The only thing that can't be done is can't be prescribed by any of the doctors or um, uh, or team man- or team uh, uh, trainers or uh, coaches. Now, if you're looking at this and you're thinking to yourself and you're having a conversation and you're like, well, if something like this could be utilized and help the pain in which you're going through or help you um, uh, recover from something instead of reaching for a pill bottle, why would we not have that conversation or educate you on what's going on and give you the choice? All we're, all we're asking for and all we're looking for is the freedom of choice to be able to go down this space exactly. and be able to make the decision for yourself. Would you like the opiate or the Toradol shot or would you prefer the marijuana or the CBD? Mm-hmm. And then from there, once you make the choice, that's your, that's your prerogative. But if we're not giving that option, it, it, it's coming to a loss. And the issue I think a lot of times we, th- we see here is, is because CBD is not tested for in the National Hockey League either. THC and marijuana is. However, if you went into any locker room right now, I guarantee you, you'd have about, call it 75% of every team is utilizing some form of CBD, whether it be a topical, whether it be an oil, whether it be something to help you fall asleep. Wow. But 
it's just it's just readily it's not talked about and it's not the conversations aren't had we're getting to that point yeah we're 100 percent getting to that point which is a great sign and it's exciting but the education and the thought process and the talking about it has never been there before and do you think that using cannabis so cbd or thc can replace some of those painkillers outright um you know what I don't know if it would replace it outright, but there has to be a better. I Maybe mean, even a reduction in. I, I mean, there's there. This is this is what it comes down to is yeah. when we're talking about putting an opioid into somebody else's body, we are putting an actual highly, highly, highly addictive drug in order to alleviate the pain. There's a multitude of other ways in which we can do it. It, that, that are that are going to be much safer, that are going to be mm-hmm. much more natural, that are right. going to be uh, far less addictive and have far less adverse effects down the road and and risk of long term uh, addiction and utilization. Yeah. yeah. And on, on that same note, we we kind of talked about before. Again, cannabis can be CBD or THC, and you mentioned a lot of these a lot of these players are using CBD. Do you find that CBD by itself can have benefits without THC? Do you think you need a little bit of both, or do you think athletes should stay away from THC altogether? Because even the UFC st- stated that CBD is fine, but an athlete can't perform while they're on THC, which is funny because I wouldn't call it a performance enhancer. So I- I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I think so. CBD itself, minus the presence of THC, mm. is um, extremely uh, successful in creating uh, pain relief, um, in activating the parasympathetic nervous system to mm. calm you down. Um, and the, the, so the presence of THC is not necessary. THC is the psychoactive ingredient that changes that state of mind or alters that state of mind. So. Mm. I understand where being under the influence of THC could be deemed as not necessarily even a performance enhancer, but a performance reducer in right. some ways, to be honest it with you. It could be, yeah. And and how when you're not in a – like let's go back to the core of what sport is. A sport is being able to utilize your natural talents, mm-hmm. your you as you, as you are. I right. mean it's no different than – uh, utilizing steroids to swing a bat and hit the baseball out of a stadium mm-hmm. is that's that's just not allowed. You're doing something that is outside of what you typically should be able to do. Right. Whereas if you're utilizing something as similar to Tylenol mm-hmm. in order to prevent just pain and inflammation, yeah, in, an inflammation in which yeah. you're feeling naturally, while keeping you in the same uh, presence yeah. that is almost a necessity and something that you have to shake your head as to why a conversation of greater detail and right. greater magnitude has not right. been had. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer, and it doesn't make sense that this non-psychoactive, non-impairing, non-performance-enhancing compound would be banned just because it's derived from cannabis or even hemp, which was made illegal for. We could talk forever about it, but made illegal for. Uh, unjust purposes so it's if you ask me i think we're heading in the right direction i think people are starting to change their minds the stigma is starting to be reduced but it's going to take like you said it's going to take education it's going to take players and athletic associations sort of pushing and and having 
players advocate for using it. Um, do you think that there are other areas cannabis can help too? Like let's say TBIs, uh, anxiety, depression that we don't know of yet? Oh, definitely. I mean, it, it all comes back to our nervous system. It all comes back to way in which we, we think and, and the stress in which our bodies are under. Uh, our body doesn't know the difference between mental, physical, spiritual, or emotional stress. All it sees it as is stress and it has a stress response. So anything that's gonna help alleviate the stress in which mm -hmm. we're under on a day-to-day -day basis and even perceived stress for that matter. I could see a stick across the way and I could think it's a snake and this to me is a stressful situation, something that causes me to enter into that sympathetic fight or flight state. Even though the situation has no stressful element whatsoever right but it's perceived stress and thus it's going to start to deplete myself in magnesium it's going to start to mm -hmm. deplete myself in other micronutrients that are taking away from the other processes and systems that are going on within the body mm -hmm. so the more that we can provide to our complex systems our complex bodies to support the parasympathetic nervous system or the mm -hmm. stress reducing system within our body I think is an absolute necessity to at least open a book and look into. Right, and especially if you consider, like we said, the relative safety of this reducing our, again, our stress, our anxiety, or our inflammation, if you compare the safety profile of CBD or THC compared to traditional pharmacological drugs, it again, it should be a no-brainer, but that, that conversation's gonna open up. Um, on the topic of other alternative medications you and i have talked about psychedelics a little bit before where do you find benefits where do you find athletes could benefits from psychedelics and you can you see athletic associations having the same open arms for psychedelics eventually as they do cannabis i mean let's try and cross one bridge before we cross another but um <laughs> yeah. that that one is far far more down the line um I agree. In terms of even even being willing to have the conversation, mm -hmm. um, are there studies coming out? Is Dan Carcillo, uh, specifically on the mm -hmm. hockey front, um, Riley Cote doing some great work in that space and bringing awareness to it? A hundred percent. There's a lot of people doing some great work to it, but I mean, we all remember Rick, Ricky Williams um, uh, of the uh, the Miami uh, Dolphins, mm -hmm. um, the running back, where. 10, 15 years ago, I think this was now, that he was um, talking about the healing power of, uh, of marijuana and everybody's just saw him as, as a pothead. And uh, we're finally getting to the point of where we're seeing the healing benefits and, the, uh, and utilizing it the right way. And it, and it all comes down to, to be honest, Alex, it all comes down to education because we can have the best products. We can have the best... Um, uh, systems but if we don't have the education as to how to use them or what to do or when to use it, it it's all for naught because right. we, you, you can very easily abuse marijuana you can very easily abuse um, CBD you can very easily abuse opiates mm. but if we don't know how to utilize them in the right way and understand the every decision we make mm -hmm. has a consequence yeah and we have to understand what those consequences are in full 
before we decide what our action is. And if we do not do that first, we're doing us and everybody are trying to serve a disservice because those consequences will eventually overtake us in every aspect. That's so true. Um, we were sort of talking about the the NHL and long-term health of players. We, we talked a little bit before about how some players from exiting professional sports are a former shell of who they were before, whether it's through injuries, whether it's through depersonalization. What do you think we can do to help sort of rehabilitate these athletes and take care of them after they've performed their duties and after they've they've completed their sport yeah i mean the biggest thing is continued support and education yeah um uh, so often uh athletes identities are tied up in the sport itself Mm -hmm. so the moment that's gone they feel like their value is gone they feel like their purpose is gone they Mm -hmm. feel like their mission is gone and they don't know who they are Mm -hmm. they don't know what their purpose is they don't know what their mission is Mm -hmm. they don't know why they're here and so when you're able to bring awareness back to hey you have value you are a person Mm -hmm. you uh this this is where we should be looking and where we should be going and and having somewhere to put their energy their attention and a purpose for getting up every morning that in and of itself is energy that is what we're talking about Mm -hmm. energy is a living breathing thing and if you take energy for granted energy will go away it's the same as money money is a living and breathing thing and if you don't look after it if you don't treat it like it's valuable and and it's worth something it will leave and escape you very quickly Mm -hmm. but it's also just as easy to get if you know how to find it and you know how how to go after it, mm. energy is that same way. And so if we can do that, if we can bring that level of awareness to these players, both um, professional and amateur mm-hmm. for that matter, mm-hmm. and help with the transition period out and give them, again, the awareness of what's going on with their bodies, why their bodies feel a certain way, uh, the surgeries they've gone through, the uh, the TBIs that have gone on, and being able to do more research and look into a lot of the ways in which people are feeling, it's it's a massive, massive undertaking that needs to be talked about and and really identified with because um, it, it's really the un, unspoken epidemic that's going on in uh, in all of athletics. And on on the topic of doing something else and moving on to a different project after your professional career for yourself you've taken a bit of what i would call an unconventional career path where you've taken on more of an entrepreneurial role in doing that it's a daunting task it can be scary for a lot of people but like you said it's those that can put in the hours and those that can be ruthlessly consistent are the ones that that are going to pull through so for you tell everyone a little bit about what you have going on and then also i'd love to know what makes you push through and what makes you passionate about what you do now yeah so to be honest with you the only thing that's changed is that i now get to do everything on my terms where uh, i decide what accounts I take on. I decide um, when I work, when I don't. Um, and and there's that level of freedom that comes with that that's um, empowering. Um, and so having the mindset of that, that inevitability of mindset is that 
it's not if it's going to work. It's just mm. how do we make it work? Right. And you put the time and enter time, attention, and energy into it, and it will. And so what own it is is. Um, being able to combine both inner and outer energy, inner energy being more of the mindset, more of the uh, communication, the way we think, the way we talk to ourselves, the way we talk to others. Um, and that's really focused on by my better half, uh, Elise, mm -hmm. who um, has uh, has gone through extensive coaching, uh, about three years worth of coaching to get all of the uh, uh, the qualifications and everything that she's done um, and actually did it at the highest level as a executive um, vice president for Christian Louboutin, the shoe wow. company, yeah. um, before coming on in an entrepreneurial role with me mm -hmm. um, in, in Own It, and then also combining it with the outer energy, which mm -hmm. is exactly like we talked about, the sleep, the recovery, uh, the HRV, uh, and, and combining it with those seven areas uh, that we look at from exercise, nutrition, hydration, stress management, immune function, environment, and um, uh, and sleep, and really making sure that as we provide everything together, we're utilizing the data, we're utilizing DNA, we're utilizing epigenetics, we're utilizing the wearables, the information that matters, so that we help you play your game and not everybody else's. Because the more information we have, I mean, Warren Buffett said it, knowledge is power. And it's, it, it, it's, it's true. The more information we know about ourselves, the more we know about what we need to do to perform at our best, it simply then becomes creating a system and strategic set of behaviors that will allow us to show up consistently, consecutively, day after day, mm. to lay those foundational blocks so that at the end of the year, we have a solid, solid wall built mm -hmm. That, that becomes the foundation to everything else that we're trying to build. And what advice would you give to someone who wants to take on an, an entrepreneurial role? And what did you learn sort of as you, as you went on yourself? Mentors, mentors and coaches. How do you find um, them? How do you tell someone, <laughs> be my mentor? <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great question. So um, to be honest with you, getting out of the NHL was the uh, as a as a day to day guy. Yeah. I mean, I still have about uh, fifty uh, private uh, professional clients that uh, that I work with. Uh, Elise and I work with on a on a one on one level. Mm -hmm. um, we've got close to a thousand um, entrepreneurs, executives, and their corporate teams that we work with uh, on the inner and outer energy uh, portion as well. But um, Getting out of the NHL from a day-to-day -day side allowed me to open up and network mm. with so many different people who have different skill sets, who are experienced in things I've never experienced or would have never experienced before in my life. Mm. Like, for example, one of my mentors um, has has a three point five billion dollar real wow. estate company that he's the CEO of, mm. and he's. Uh, been he, he went from homeless to 3.5 billion and the experience he has the knowledge he has the mm -hmm. understanding of scaling business the understanding of putting a business together it's not there, there's so many people out there right now that are marketing information that's just been passed down or they heard it at a conference right. and now right. oh I'm gonna go teach this <laughs> I it's it, it, it's so much more than 
it's so much more than a funnel. It's yeah. so much more than a website. It's yeah. so much more than um, a free opt-in. It's about the ecosystem and the people that you have around you to continually create relationships mm. that are meaningful and truly impacting people around you. Mm. And when you can find a group of people that have a wealth of knowledge and you can spend time with them and you can provide value to them mm -hmm. and thus get into those rooms, oftentimes there's two ways to do it. One, you pay your way into the room and I've had to do that many a times in order to get access to them mm -hmm. and I'll tell you what, my investment was sent back to me 50 fold. Wow. The other way is you find a need that they have and you serve them. Mm -hmm beyond belief. Mm -hmm. There was a saying, you need to yeah. drop your ego, you need to drop everything you have done, you need to drop everything you think you are, and you need to come in with a giving, serving, learning heart, mm. and that is truly what will be able to get you those mentors, attract the people with the right energy, so that at the end of the day, everybody wins. And from all the insight that's been passed down to you, has there been one particular piece that resonated with you that you feel you want to pass down to people listening? We, we highly overestimate what we can get done in a month, but we highly underestimate what we can get done in a year. And I was extremely guilty of that, thinking that coming from the NHL, I had all this mm -hmm. knowledge, I had all this experience, I had everything that I wanted to do. And the first year of the business, Yes, it grew, but it didn't grow at the level in which I wanted it to. And I was discouraged at times. I was frustrated. And then all of a sudden, a quarter into year two, we 10 x the business. Mm -hmm. And it was because the narrative had changed. You weren't just the guy in which you were there. You had, you had this whole experience. You had this whole journey that, you would, that I had gone on that humbled me, that allowed me to be to come to the table in a different way mm -hmm. and learn and be willing to learn from the people who had been in it for 20, 30, 40 years as entrepreneurs and had made the meaningful connections, had made the, made the meaningful relationships, had really truly fostered these relationships that you were able to create this interdependent value to each other that all of a sudden vaulted everything to new heights. So highly overestimate what we can get done in a month, but underestimate what we can get done in a year. So the longer we can be patient, the longer we can wait, the longer we can stick to a singular point of vision, the more successful you're gonna be. Amazing. I couldn't think of a better place to end this off. Justin, you're incredibly insightful. You're fantastic. I so much appreciate you coming on the show oh thank you so much alex it's uh, it's always great chatting with you and uh, and i appreciate your time